Francis Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butter will get it for the win. Got it! He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper for another, I can't, actually can't even say it's a post-game recap, another episode of Dime Dropper for these 2022 NBA playoffs. I apologize that I did not give you any content right after Game 7, right after Game 6. I told you guys it was my sister's birthday, and then I always go on a Memorial Weekend trip with my family and our really good friends. I've been doing it for so long, so... It's actually a tradition that I usually watch a conference finals game on the trip. So we're back now. We're going to talk about game seven. I'm going to talk about what I think going forward for the Heat and the Celtics and obviously a preview of the finals. But before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Bod. And make sure you guys give me reviews, give me comments, feedback. I want to know what I'm doing right or wrong, what I can do better. Don't forget, I always want constructive criticism. All right, let's get going. Shout out to everybody in the live tonight. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere for the finals. We're going to be live probably after every episode. I'm going to have content on every episode. But... Let's talk about the Celtics and the Heat, Game 7. You know, it's fun that we get another Game 7 in the Conference Finals, Shades of 2012. That was really (laughs) memorable for me. But I thought overall, you know, you heard Tyler Hero was going to play. That was a good thing, but he did not look 100% at all in the game. Uh, He only played 7 minutes, and he didn't look so great in those minutes that he played. Uh, let me know if in the comments if you think Eric Spolster should have played him more. But for me, I'm not going to comment on an injury. He looked like he was struggling to even play. I think he just tried his best, and it just wasn't going for him. And that shit happens, and that's just bad luck for Miami. But I'm not going to say that, you know, at this stage of the season, I'm not going to say that Celtics players aren't banged up. You know, we've seen smart miss games. We've seen Horford with COVID. Jason Tatum had a little stinger in the shoulder. So everybody's had... Their injuries, you can talk about Kyle Lowry, we can go all day. At the end of the day, the playoffs are a war of attrition every year and a war of health as well. And that's part of the luck component that also comes with winning championships and also taking care of your body, of course, as well, best that they can. But I thought the beginning, the Celtics set the tone in the game. I had the Celtics coming into the game. Everybody knows that my prediction for the series was Celtics in six. Obviously, I was wrong, but... The Cel- I still felt confident that the Celtics wouldn't lose two games in a row. Because um, they have it in the playoffs. And so in Game 7, I thought that they set the tone in the first quarter. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart were all very aggressive. And they also just played good defense and made an emphasis to push the ball in transition. And they did a very good job of that. And Jalen Brown was doing a good job finishing around the basket. So the Heat fell behind after the first quarter, 32-17. to Second quarter, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo showed why they're the two star caliber, or the best players on this team. 
Jimmy Butler especially was super aggressive and was hitting some pretty tough shots. And he just continued to show why he, to me, is definitely a top 10 player in the NBA. I'm going to probably going to have to think about that list and talk about it after the season's over. I'll give it to you guys because I know I get that question a lot. But he's definitely going to be in there. I mean, what he's been able to do on both ends of the floor, all playoffs, and how consistent he's really been, you can't, you can't, you got to tip your hat to him. He was very aggressive. And he, was, he and Bam were keeping him in the game, just being aggressive. Bam shot 21 shots. Jimmy Butler shot 24 shots. So you got to love it in a game seven, going down with your stars. But they weren't getting much help elsewhere. They outscored the Celtics 32-23 in the second quarter. But I still felt good about you know my prediction of the Celtics winning going into the second half. You didn't see much in terms of rotations for the teams. Peyton Pritchard only played two minutes, so he basically was a non-factor. Uh, donuts across the board except for a foul. Not even a shot attempt. And then the two bench players that we've seen you know, all playoffs long for these Celtics, Derek White and Grant Williams. Grant Williams getting 30 minutes. Uh, Derek White getting 19, and the Time Lord only getting 15. So wanted to go with that lineup that could switch basically everything with Horford at the 5, and that lineup did a really good job defensively all game long, moving their feet, closeouts, communicating, just being on all their P's and Q's. You see how sharp this Celtics team is, how physical they are, the size that they have. We've seen it all playoffs, and that's really what stood out to me about them in the first game I watched them play in these playoffs against the Brooklyn Nets. I knew in that moment, and we were talking with my friends, they could probably make the finals. You know, I didn't watch that many regular season Celtics games this year, as you guys know, as I did last year and obviously the years I went to UMass. But I saw what I needed. To, I always say you get to see what you got to see in the – you see what you need to see in the playoffs. If you watch every game in the playoffs, I mean, that's who they are. The Celtics became in 2022. Now I can see it. Now everybody can see why they went on this run. Their physicality, their size, they gave Udoka time to – you know, people have to give Udoka time to let it marinate, let him – he has a vision clearly for the team, and they need to let him execute his vision. It doesn't happen overnight. LeBron James famously said Rome wasn't built in one day when he was talking to his old Heat team. But as for this Heat team, third quarter, basically they were even. Celtics 27, Heat 26. I thought it was just the stars on both sides. The Heat, I don't think they got much from Kyle Lowry at all. He got, he had a little, he got a little bit better to me as the game went on, but... He just, to me, Kyle Lowry, he doesn't really play basketball a lot of the times. At least now. I mean, obviously he's always had this in him, but he was better back in the day. He's obviously not 100%, and he's older now. But he just constantly is trying to take charges, constantly is trying to get fouled or draw an offensive foul or try to flop. Like, it's just, he doesn't even play basketball sometimes, and it's very frustrating watching him play. He's like literally like a, you know, fatter Chris Paul. Sometimes, literally. With more range, but just not nearly as good of a player. Never was. I love my Raptors fans, man. I really do. But the fact that that's your greatest player ever, like, ugh. I feel sorry for you guys, man, really. But at the end of the day, I know what you're going to say. You won a ring. I mean, you guys won a ring. We didn't. We haven't. Okay, I know. But let's see if Kawhi can do for us what we did for you guys. Anyway, fourth quarter. Looked like the Heat were making their pushes. But I thought the Celtics, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown especially, just continued to do what they've done the whole playoffs and just get buckets when it counts against switch everything kinds of defenses, which the Heat love to run. And Jalen Brown was just making some tough shots. And Marcus Smart continued to be aggressive. Even though he didn't shoot well, 
He just puts pressure on the defense, and he's just been a great playmaker for them in the playoffs. They run a lot better with Smart at the point. And then in the fourth quarter, Jason Tatum, you know, the step-back three made over Max Drews, who overall, you know, there was obviously the controversy about the three he made, whether it was out of bounds or not. One of the closest calls I've ever seen. It was like in the, I think it was in the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter. He had a three disallowed because the, his heel may or may not have been out of bounds. I think he was slightly touching it, but it was very hard to tell. And then overall, Strews started out cold. He start he hit his only three field goals in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And one was a. It was actually especially the last two minutes of the game. I remember now he hit like a. His first th- shot was a three in the corner that got a nice bounce, and then he started scoring late in the game when he had a putback dunk. It was it was it came out of nowhere. But I thought Strews on defense held his own really well in this game. He just didn't hit, and they just didn't get much from the other guys like Victor Oladipo. Nine point, uh, he played 33 minutes, but he only gave them nine points, five rebounds, three assists, four for 12, and one for seven from deep. Heat is a team again, six for 30 from deep. I thought they did a better job of attacking in this game. It's just, you know, they didn't hit. Kyle Lowry, one for six from deep. Jimmy Butler, 1 for 4. P.J. Tucker, 0 for 2. And P.J. Tucker having a donut was just, it really kind of hurt them. Even though, you know, Rob Williams only had 2 points on his side. P.J. Tucker only played 17 minutes, partially because he wasn't really looking at the basket. If he's not inside the foul line, or he's not in the corner for 3, he's not looking to shoot at all. It's like Draymond Green-esque in that way. But I think Draymond Green at least would rather shoot that top of the key 3. He likes that shot. But P.J. Tucker, yeah, I, that was a little disappointing to see that. But Jimmy Butler was just continuing to be aggressive and amazing. Bam Adebayo, again as well. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart just kind of help, didn't let up. You know, they didn't fully let it happen until the last couple minutes. My goodness, guys, I have never seen such low IQ basketball being played on both sides of the court in such a high-stakes game. So close to the NBA Finals. I can't believe what I'm seeing from the Boston Celtics. Their lack of clock management. Marcus Smart shooting an open three when they've clearly gone cold and the crowd's starting to get into it with like 11 on the shot clock with about a minute left. Remember, you're trying to minimize their possessions. You are giving them more possessions if you miss that shot. And I know what some people are going to say, but you don't overthink if you miss. This is the NBA Finals. This is Game 7 you have on the line here in the Conference Finals for your chance to go to the Finals for the first time in 12 years and for the first time in your career. Your last name is Smart, okay? Come on, man. I don't think even Larry Bird should take that shot. And I think Larry Bird himself probably was in a situation where he didn't take a shot like that. So he took a quick three. The Heat come back and score. And then you have Jalen Brown, who really as great as he is and as smart of a guy as he is off the court makes for how solid of a player he is he really makes some terrible decisions sometimes and I know he's still young but like he's been in high stakes moments and he's like a guy that I feel like would learn from mistakes but sometimes he just drives in recklessly and just makes ridiculous jump passes and on this in this scenario he just drove in and with still time on the shot clock, mind you. Time on the shot clock. And the Heat came back. Oh, I'm sorry. It was an offensive foul. He didn't even miss. He had an offensive foul for going to the rim. It was ridiculous. With 50 seconds left. I'm looking at it right now. 
My God. And then Max Struess came back and made a three. There you go. He had two threes in the game, if I'm not mistaken. So that cut the game down to 96 to 98. And then the Heat got a steal. Again, the Celtics just, they were putting on a master class in how to blow it. How to absolutely choke your chance at the finals away. I, I still am honestly dumbfounded by what I saw. And Jimmy Butler, you know, the talking point, he came up the court, shot a pull-up three. Not really his shot, but he did hit one of them in the first half and missed. It was short and a little to the left. And then the Celtics got, uh, the Heat were forced to foul. And big free throws were made by Marcus Smart. I'm sorry, though. It wasn't a turnover. It was Marcus Smart missing a driving layup. And then Jimmy Butler got the rebound and pulled up for the shot. Apologies. But there you go. Max Drews then missed a three. And the Celtics were on to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010 when they lost to the Lakers. Max Drews, two for seven from three, three for ten from the field. So, my God, where do I start? The Jimmy Butler decision. So obviously, as I said for the Celtics, bad decision-making from Smart, from Jalen Brown, just bad clock management and mistakes that if they make that, those against the Warriors, they are going to be screwed. Screwed. Because they've been there before. And they have more talent and firepower offensively to burn you. As for Miami, valiant effort at the end. Max Drews played really well at the end. And overall, you know, shots don't fall sometimes. And he's a role player. This is like one of his first, this is like his first time ever being that deep in the playoffs. I give him the benefit of the doubt. He was guarding. He's really strong, man. I, I think he's going to be a solid player going forward for them. Whether he starts next year, we'll talk about that in a second. I have my opinions on the Heat going forward. But let's just give uh, credit where it's due. Jimmy Butler, I thought he had an amazing playoffs and he played really well in this game. But that last decision, I don't agree with it. Jimmy Butler's never been a great three-point shooter. Al Horford was backpedaling, and there was nobody behind him. Nobody. And if they were to come, that would have been a late rotation, in my opinion. Jimmy Butler, and not only that, if you can't get to the rim, pull up in the mid-range when, you when you've got Al Horford on his heels. But seriously, especially the way that games are officiated in terms of home-centric calls and momentum... The crowd was going nuts. Jimmy Butler, who's really good at drawing fouls, I think could have gotten a foul as well if he went to the line or went to the basket, I'm saying. Especially when the, the, you know, the refs are probably thinking like, oh, man, he gets to the line, he ties this game, we got excitement. You know, that shit goes through their minds, I can, I can promise you. Like, the momentum affects the officiating, especially when it's home. We've seen home-centric calls so much in NBA history. So I always just think Jimmy Butler, especially his t- the player that's not good at shooting threes, has never been – Great at it, and this year, I mean, he's not as been as bad as last year from what I from what I know, off the top of my head. I don't have the stats in front of me, but point is, Jimmy Butler is never not a three point shooter. Everyone knows that. I just don't think he should have taken that shot. Now the thing is, legs. Did he want to go for the for the win because he didn't know he didn't think that he could last in the overtime and play at his best? You never know. That's something only he knows, and he's not the type of guy to make that kind of excuse. That's why I fuck with Jimmy Butler. And he was great after the game with his accountability that he took. Talking about, it's just, I don't give a fuck about the stats. That's why I love Jimmy Butler, man. Say what you want about him, I like him. I think he always gives it his all. He's maximized his talent. He plays really hard. I just thought that he made a bad decision there. Um, 
And, and plus, in terms of legs, man, three, that, that's nothing, the legs. Like, his shot was way short. I mean, he had no legs to shoot that three, but you can also argue, did he, have, did he have the legs to go to the basket? I think he could have trudged a little bit, put his head down, and just hoped for the best. If he got blocked, he got blocked. No one would have said if he had gone to the basket, well, I think Jimmy should have shot a pull-up three. I just don't think that would have been the case. Um, but it is what it is. It doesn't come down to one decision at the end. I think overall the Celtics were just the better team, straight up. Celtics were the better team to me. They were the better team all playoffs, more impressive. Um, I just think the Heat lack a little bit of that consistent scoring overall. I think Kyle Lowry, let me talk about the stats before I start getting into player evaluation. But those are my thoughts on the game. As for the Heat, Victor Oladipo, 9 points, 4 for 12, 1 for 7 from deep. Gabe Vincent, 15 minutes only. He shot four times, only made one shot, one for three from deep, four points. And then P.J. Tucker, as I said, had a donut, 0 for 3, 0 for 2 from 2. I'm sorry, 0 for 2 from 3, 17 minutes played. Max Struess and everyone else, the, the other four starters, played 35 minutes plus. Max Struess had eight points, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal, two blocks, two turno- t- turnovers, and the Heat only turned the ball over eight times, so that was good. On 3-for-10 shooting and 2-for-7 from deep. So not the best shooting night for Strews, but overall I think like, I think he played okay. And he honestly was a part of the reason they almost got a chance. Kyle Lowry, 4-for-12, 1-for-6 from deep, 6-for-9 from the foul line, which is rare. I think he should definitely be 7-for-9 at least. He's always been pretty good at the foul line. And that could have made a difference for sure as well. 15 points for him. Seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block. I thought he did do his typical drawing some turnover shit. Um, and had some good moments, though, especially as the game went on. Bam Adebayo, but I don't think Kyle Lowry played well. Bam Adebayo, 25 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, 12 for 21 from the field. Only three free throw attempts, though. One for three from the foul line. I thought he was really good. One of his better games of the series. And then Jimmy Buckets, 35 points, nine rebounds, only one assist, one steal, only one turnover, 13 for 24 from the field. And mind you, I'm not going to forget, Bam Adebayo played 46 minutes. Jimmy Butler played the whole game. So I fuck with that. If you think that Eric Spolster made a, made a mistake, should have sat him um, a little bit more, maybe played Tyler Hero like three more minutes, let me know. But Jimmy Butler maybe said he wanted to go the whole game. And I, I mess with his desire and perseverance. And I, st- I like if, if it wasn't even that, if it was – it was if. If it was Spo that just decided, then you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a mistake, man. You ride with your horses, uh, and you ride with your guys, and your stars, your star, your guy of the team, and that's Jimmy Butler. He's proven that in this playoffs, and it just didn't work out. I think Jason Tatum is the best player in the series. I know Heat fans may not like that, but I think he is. I think his ability to score, how easy he can he can get his shots because of his shooting ability and his size and his handle. He's just. Got a better bag. I know that sounds corny, but he does. And he's really, I don't think he's as good of a defender, but he has really shown his defensive chops uh, in this playoffs. And Jason Tatum is just, he can really get into a totally different conversation beyond just among his amongst his p- current peers. He'll be in a real amazing category with guys like Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan, leading a team so young to the, to the championship and winning. But let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. Jason Tatum was the player of the game for me. In the game, let's go to the Celtics stats. By the way, as for the team, for the Heat, they shot 42% from the field, 37 for 88. From the foul line, 67%, 16 for 24. You don't like to see that. Jimmy Butler, 8 for 11. Probably should have made one more. 
And then six for 30 from the line, from the three-point line, 20%. So that's weak. For the Celtics, Derek White, eight points, three for eight from the field in 19 minutes. Thought he was solid. He was all right. Grant Williams, 11 points, five for eight, very efficient. Only shot one three and missed it. But good for him to get in double figures in the minutes that he played, and he always brings that good defense and physicality. Six rebounds as well. Robert Williams, two points, three rebounds. Didn't really get much burn, 15 minutes. And then this, the four starters all played 40-plus minutes. Marcus Smart, who played 41 minutes, 24 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, only one turnover. The Celtics turned the ball over 13 times. Eight for 22 from the field, three for 10 from deep, five for six from the line. But overall, I thought Marcus Smart played well. He made some questionable decisions at the end of the game. But overall, he was aggressive. He got 20-plus points. That's the thing. This, the Heat lacked that third guy. Did Kyle Lowry play better than Marcus Smart? Did he have a better series than Marcus Smart? I don't think he did. I really don't think he did. He didn't. Let's be real. He didn't. And obviously, Kyle Lowry wasn't 100%. I don't think Marcus Smart was 100%. Whether who was more injured... I don't know. I'm not either of them. I'm not in the locker room. Probably Lowry because he didn't play in the other rounds. But at this point, I think I'd rather have Marcus Smart on my team, given his age, just given what I'm seeing in this playoffs and this season. Um, and regular season doesn't mean as much to me as the playoffs. So if Kyle Lowry can come back next season at age 37 and prove me wrong, we'll see. I doubt it. He also just is chunky. But bad investment for the Miami Heat, by the way. They gave him too much money. He was overpaid. Uh, good for Kyle Lowry, though. He made bank. And Raptors fans, man, they're going to be killing me watching this. But, hey, man, everybody's entitled to their opinion, right? Not everybody loves Chris Paul. But, you know, I don't really have a stand of a player. So I don't, I don't stand any player. I don't love any player like that. So I don't really be getting emotional like that over players. Jalen Brown. So Marcus Smart, great performance overall for me. Because you know what he's going to do on defense as well. Jalen Brown. or I'm, Actually, I'm going to go to Al Horford first. Five points, 14 boards, three assists, a steal, and two blocks. Didn't turn the ball over at all. Plus 10, he was the highest of any player in the game besides Oladipo was plus 16. But that's, you know, I think Oladipo was solid, but I don't think that, again, plus minus, individual game plus minus does not tell you the full story at all. Al Horford did play well, though. He's just his defensive leadership, his presence. He's just been fantastic. His communication, he continues to impress me. 44 minutes played as well at that age. Jason, actually, Jalen Brown, 44 minutes played. 24 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. He did turn the ball over 4 times. He needs to do a better job of taking care of the ball in the finals. 8 for 15 from the field. 1 for 5 from deep. Didn't shoot up from deep, but he made some nice shots off the dribble. 7 for 8 from the line, so that's decent. And then Jason Tatum, the player of the game for me. The winner of the Larry Bird Trophy. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, and 2 blocks. In 46 minutes, 9 for 21 from the field and very efficient from deep, 4 for 7. That one shot he hit when he caught it off the inbounds and spun over his right shoulder and created a lot of space against Jimmy Butler in the fourth. That was beautiful. Kobe Bryant-esque. He was wearing the Kobe armband. I know that was controversial to some Celtics fans. Didn't like seeing that. A lot of fans were talking to me and just saying it's a new age. And yeah, you're damn right it is. But, you know, given the situation with Kobe, and I, I love how much he loves Bean. 41% from the field is what the Celtics shot as a team. 34% from deep on 11 for 32 shooting. They shot the same amount of foul shots as the Heat, 24, but they made 19 of them. 
three more than the Heat, and they won by one. 100 to 96 of what was a really fun series, in my opinion. The Boston Celtics, the Eastern Conference champions. I said it after round one. I felt pretty good they could go to the finals given Middleton's injury. I picked them in all their series. They are here. I cannot believe it. I saw this team play this year. There's a vlog on my channel. And back then, you would have never in a million years believed that they would be in the finals. It is unbelievable the turnaround that they have had. A franchise as storied as the Celtics. This may be their greatest in-season turnaround ever. And I haven't seen one in the 60s with the Bill Russell era, which I studied every single year of. If you're a Celtics fan, let me know if there's been one more uh, crazier than this. But 16-19, and 19, or was it 18-21 and 21 to start the season, and then going on the run that they did to end the year and in the playoffs, just their defense, how connected they are, how, how every single one of these players, Horford, Smart, Time Lord, Derek White, Grant Williams, even Peyton Pritchard, Jalen, Jason Tatum all contribute and just the leap that Jason Tatum has made as a leader, but doing it on the defensive end. That's really what it's all about. Taking that challenge defensively. He's done it in every series to some degree. And you just gotta you just gotta love it. You know, you just gotta love seeing it as a basketball fan. I think Tatum's a likable player. Um, I have a lot to say about him as a player, and I'll say I'll save it for a little bit later in the to end the episode, but Miami Heat, as for them, for because I, I can talk about the Celtics a little bit more. I'm going to talk about them as I talk about the finals, but as for the Miami Heat, I think Jimmy Butler really showed me that maybe he can be the best prime championship team. He really showed me that maybe he can. I think he just lacked that consistent, consistent second score. And Bam Adebayo, I want to say that he can be that guy. I think he has the potential to be that guy, but will he be that guy? Will he embrace playing from the inside and becoming that post player that I think he'd become, mid-range, mid-post kind of player, have confidence in that, like a Deon, have DeAndre Ayton level confidence in his mid-range, but DeAndre Ayton has confidence issues of his own in my eyes in, at that level. But I also don't think that, the I think the Suns don't do a, a good job of empowering him. I think Bam gets chances, and I think just sometimes he's just not aggressive. Tyler Hero, obviously having him healthy would have helped. But I don't think it's as simple as if Tyler Hero plays, we win the series. Like, I just don't. I think that the Heat are going to need, and that doesn't guarantee they win the championship even if they win this series. I think the Heat are going to need someone else that can help Jimmy score. Maybe not necessarily somebody better than Jimmy, but, you know, people talking about Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell. Here's the thing. Both of those guys are not good defensively, so they're going to be sought out and pick and roll at the highest levels. But they may be good enough to get the job done. We'll see. I don't think I would be against it. If Kyrie becomes available, definitely big time. But I think the Heat got to do something about that. I heard today from a Heat beat writer that Tyler Hero saying that he's drawn a line in the sand. He wants to start now. So we're going to save these questions for the offseason. Overall, I think it was a great season for the Heat. Bouncing back, getting so close to the finals. I don't think people thought they were going to ever win the championship. I think some people had them winning the East. But I just don't think – I think people thought they were pretenders all year. And I don't want to call them pretenders because they were so close. But to me, they just – I never said they weren't going to go to the championship. I just said they won't win it. And they didn't, they didn't win it. So I still think you should be proud, Heat fans. I think this Eric Spolster maximizes the fuck out of this team. But it's been a great season. I'm going to talk about the finals real quick before we go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. I see so many comments, 97 of them that I haven't even checked. Don't think I'm forgetting, guys. I'll read all your comments. I'll be up with you guys late if need be. But let's talk about the finals. 
So this is really exciting for me. I'm very excited because there's a couple of good storylines here. The Warriors are back in the finals, and they're not playing against the Cavs, and the only other time that's happened was the Raptors, and I actually really enjoyed that series. The thing about that series, though, was going into it, I was like, it's all dependent on if KD comes back. So there was kind of this question mark and over the series with the predictions and stuff like that, but I'm happy to say, despite all the criticism I have of the modern NBA and how little I have liked watching the regular seasons, this is the most excited I've been for a finals since 2013. Like, a dead ass, the most excited I've been for a finals since 2013. I just think both these teams have been really exciting to watch in the playoffs. I think the Warriors, obviously, I think they play basketball the right way. They move the ball. They move without the ball. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, they've become an iconic trio in NBA, in NBA history now, now, not just this era. Steph Curry, an all-time great player. It's a huge series for him. Huge. I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, does, like, uh, does it ruin his legacy or all this garbage nonsense that people talk about? But in terms of how big it is, in terms of the category and names he can be put with if he wins this series, I mean, man. He has that one championship as the best, consensus best player in 2015. But there was obviously a lot of, a lot, even for relative to most playoff runs, some good luck in that run with two of the best players in the Cavaliers being injured and then playing against uh, a Grizzlies team that Mike Conley and Tony Allen just missed some games and weren't 100%. But I even said at one point that Steph Curry wasn't going to ever win a championship again as the best player. I said this in the 2019 finals, and I thought I was going to be right. But I could very easily be wrong, and I want I want to be wrong. Honestly, I like Steph Curry, and I think this is great. And it needs to be it needs to happen because people really still give him shit for not winning Finals MVP in 2015 because of like a rogue vote or something. Like, let's everybody knows that Steph Curry was the best player on that team. He was the MVP. He averaged 25 five and five in the finals. Like as great as Andre Iguodala was, he got the Kawhi treatment where it's like, and I think Kawhi deserved his. Don't make no mistake, but like the oh he guarded LeBron well. Let's give him Finals MVP because LeBron's so amazing. Like come on, let's not disrespect. What Steph Curry did. That was bullshit. And Steph Curry was the best player on that team. But because of the circumstances, the injuries in the finals, all that, people are going to question shit. And okay, this is the chance for Steph to shut down that noise and be the best player in this series with the young buck, Jason Tatum, who's been amazing. The revenge tour for the Celtics. They took out each of the last three teams that they lost to in each of the last three years in the playoffs. One by one. It was amazing. Kevin Durant and Kyrie who left the Warriors and the Celtics, and now those teams are in the finals. I mean, come on, how poetic is that? Uh, love that. Bas- basketball gods are working brilliantly these days. And then you got Giannis. Obviously, no Chris Middleton. There's their luck. But Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, the defending champs. I'm sorry, Drew Holiday, Giannis, the defending champs. You beat them, lost to them in 2019. Lost the Nets last year, of course. And then beating the Heat, who you lost to in the bubble, a series that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just made a lot of young player mistakes. But you learn from those. And Jason Tatum said that in the postgame. You learn from those. And you're here now. The only thing is, they're playing against a team of seasoned vets in terms of the, the core three. Kevon Looney's been there before. Obviously, Steve Kerr's been there before. That's the thing the Warriors have going for them besides home court advantage. They have the explosive offense and weapons, but they also have the experience. The Celtics, they have the size. 
and the physicality and the, the war path that they've gone through in this playoffs. I, it's crazy to say that the, Cel- the Eastern Conference team played against the better opposition, but it's, not, it's just not really that close to me um, in terms of the West. I'm not saying the West, the Warriors played easy teams, but both years, ugh, Warriors fans are going to give me a hard time for this, but both years, and it's not their fault, I'm not saying it is, but both years that they won the championship with Steph Curry as the best player, the conference finals opposition, it should have been a team that just choked on it with Chris Paul <laughs> in the second round uh, with the Suns and the Clips. Um, but the Celtics and the Warriors, I'm going to go with the Warriors in seven, partially because I want it to happen, because I just don't want to hear my friends in Boston talk. But um, I like the Celtics team, though, in terms of their personnel, and I love Jason Tatum. Like, you know, I saw him play my his rookie year, my first year at UMass against the Charlotte Hornets, and I was so blown away by how tall he was. You know, he could shoot right over smaller guys and he could mix the big guys. And he reminded me kind of of KD in that sense. And I was like, man, I always get a souvenir from games I go to. At the Phoenix Suns game, I was I went to the only other stadiums I've been to, I've been to Knicks, Suns, Wizards, and Celtics. And at the Knicks game I was the first time the first time I'd ever been to a game outside of Staples Center NBA. I got a J.R. Smith shirt when he won Sixth Man of the Year. And then Washington, I got John Wall. And I really messed with John Wall. Suns, they didn't have any player shirts. I just got a generic Sun shirt. It doesn't even fit me anymore. And good riddance. I don't like the Suns. And then the Celtics, I got a Jason Tatum shirt. I was like, you know what? This guy's special. I'm going to get it his rookie year because I know that he's going to one day average 30 points. And one day he's going to lead the Celtics to their next championship. Banner 18. I didn't think it would be this quick that he was going to be in the finals, though, man. Year five? 2022? Two years after I graduated? I mean, I thought if you had kept Kyrie Irving, and, you know, by 2019, I would have probably thought these things. But not like if I had, if you had told me Kyrie was going to leave, Jay Stanton would lead the team this way. Like, it's just incredible. His maturation. And he was fortunate, too. Let's be real. He was fortunate that they made that trade and... They had that great season with Isaiah Thomas before Jason Tatum came, and he was able to play with a team that was a playoff team already and get those experiences early. And part of the reason why they got those experiences were because of Jason Tatum's play, make no mistake. But he's battle-tested. The, que- the thing is, though, the finals is a whole different ball game, and that's the thing. I think the Celtics could easily win this series. Their size is going to cause problems. Their switch everything is going to force a lot of iso ball. But the thing about the Warriors is they do a great job of moving the ball, and against switch everything schemes – they do a really good job of back cutting and just slipping those screens, uh, slipping the switch. Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, L- Wiggins, look for them to do a lot of that. Draymond Green, fake handoffs on those switches, a lot of that. So I think the Warriors are crafty. It's going to be a really good chess game between Kerr and Udoka, two fantastic coaches. But I just think that Kenny Smith always talks about it, and this is just coming from me listening to players that have been there. The final is a different scenario. Just getting off the plane, the media attention, the media day, amount of cameras, the amount of people. You just It's so big. People from all over the world are watching this. It's a different level. And let's see if the Celtics show any of those nerves in game one because this is a whole new experience. This is the Boston Celtics. This is a lot of pressure. It's been 12 years. Some interesting storylines here. The rematch of the 1964 finals. But it's the exact kind of opposite scenario. In that series... The Celtics had just come off winning five chips in a row. Bill Russell and them were the, the you know the team with chips with experience, and the Warriors who wilt. And Alex Hannum had just been hired as head coach, got to the finals, 
and they weren't expected to win that series and lost four games to one. This time, all these years later, 58 years later, the Celtics are the upstart young, young guns trying to burst onto the scene, and the Warriors are the team that has three chips and has that experience. So that's really funny. And then this is also the first time since 1986. So for a lot of people, people that were born in 1990 and on, honestly 1980 and on, because you would only have been six years old, but the first time that the Celtics are playing in the finals against a team that's not the L.A. Lakers since 86 when they played the Houston Rockets. So there are straight-up people that were born in 1980 that you know probably didn't start watching basketball until late in the decade that have never seen the Celtics be in the finals not playing the Lakers. There are Celtics fans that age that haven't seen it. So this is crazy. I see all these Laker fans, you know, obviously are going to be rooting for Golden State, which I know they don't love doing. Well, some of them do, weirdly, but some of them don't. They're rooting for the Warriors, as they should. I have some friends that are talking about rooting for the Celtics because they like Tatum and they like how much he likes Kobe. Disgusting, gross. It's sad to see how little people care about history and rivalries. I think there's a lot of, there's been a lot of rivalries in the NBA, but there's one rivalry that has, surpass the test of time and that's the Celtics and the Lakers and you know they literally played 12 years ago 14 years ago so I don't know man a lot of Laker fans talk about we've kicked their ass since you know Bill Russell's day Bill Russell's day still happened you don't care about that shit okay you don't care about it like you don't care about NBA history I don't know man I respect the game too much to not care so whatever you do you Anyways, that's it for me tonight, guys. My voice talking this long is like going so dry, dude. I'm about to like start coughing all over the place. Thanks for joining me tonight. Give me feedback on this episode. I hope you enjoyed. I'll be live post-game after basically every finals game. Thanks so much. Peace. Make sure to subscribe and comment on the video. Now the live subscribers waiting oh so patiently in the chat.